For half an hour, I sat higher than usual in the driver's seat of my beat-up coupe so the visor could block the sun from shining directly into my eyes. Gas station sunglasses weren't the best, but they made it bearable. No music or talk show. I was content to sit in silence for a while, taking in my surroundings. The car and road hummed their hypnotic resonance, and the straight stretch of farmland road showed no signs of deviation or company. I was anxious. A Saturday two months ago is when the events culminating in this drive kicked off. It was a quiet afternoon, and the urge to get out of the house had been mounting all week. I had some books to return and decided to take advantage of the modern miracle of industrial air conditioning while I was there. I was walking to the coffee station to grab a cup before settling into a chair with a book titled Our Universe in Color, full of pictures taken by various telescopes showing stars and galaxies and all sorts of celestial bodies. Just before the station was the instructional aisle. Learn to cook, draw, program, garden, invest, anything your heart desired, as long as it wasn't checked out. Halfway down, a card was resting close to the base of the shelf, juxtaposed with the dark blue carpet. Something about it drew my interest. I slowed and stopped as I passed, then doubled back and moved down the aisle. Most likely a business card or bookmark, or both. I knelt and picked it up, turning it over. Upon reading it, I immediately checked my watch, walked to the end of the aisle and began canvassing the area, searching for any familiar face. A dozen or so patrons paid me no mind as I walked briskly past each aisle until reaching the back wall, then made another round. No one I knew, no one looking for a reaction. I set the book on a cart and walked out the door the card firmly gripped in my hand. As soon as I got to the car, I studied it more carefully. It was worn, the mono-spaced, serif-type face of gold ink, cracked and missing in small spots. The top line was my name, the second was an unrecognized phone number, and the third was the current date and time I picked it up. I racked my brain as to who could have went through the trouble to make it, follow me to the library, plant it, then hope I would pick it up. None of it made sense, and I came up empty. It wasn't a particularly good joke, and took a lot of planning, and there were too many variables for it to be reliable. Curiosity overwhelmed me. I wasn't alarmed or on guard, really, more amused that someone took the effort to dumbfound me. I fished some coins out of the cup holder and went to the payphone at the corner of the building. I punched in the number, and after a moment, a dial tone sounded. Whose voice would be on the other end, I wondered. Four rings. Five. At least it was a valid line. I was starting to lose patience when an automated answering service sounded, asking me to leave a message. I sighed, and the beep sounded. I found your card. It's pretty impressive. I hung up and walked back to the car. Before the keys were out of my pocket, the phone rang behind me. I looked over my shoulder. Time to see who it is, I thought. I moved toward it, but a man with a cigarette in his mouth walked up to it before I could. I moved closer to see if I could catch the conversation and hopefully get some resolution to the situation. He picked up the receiver and dug in his pocket before pulling a coin out and inserting it. 
He made a call and was asking about a ride or giving someone a ride. It was hard to make out most of the words because the phone, receiver firmly in his hand against his ear, was still ringing. I stood behind him in queue. The ring must have made his conversation difficult. After he hung up, he turned around and gave a half nod to me. I gestured to the phone as it rang. Pretty crazy, huh? I said loudly. He looked at me, then the phone, then back to me, his brow furrowed. Huh, was his non-committal reply. Mind if I try answering it? I asked. His look of confusion stayed for a moment longer. Something like a half-understanding took its place. Oh, yeah, you can use it. I'm done, he said. He turned and cut across the parking lot. I felt awkward and off. I stepped under the awning and answered the phone mid-ring. Before I could say anything, a voice came over the line. It was hard to tell if it was male or female, but I had the distinct impression that it wasn't automated. Your call has been received and noted. Go south past Leanne's diner and take the first left. Turn right at the yellow flag. We start at sundown. Invitation only. No cameras or recording devices. The line clicked and went dead. A knot formed in my stomach. There were so many red flags about the situation. It could be any number of things, with negative possibilities far outweighing the positive. I got in my car and dropped the card into the cup holder. I planned to take it to work on Monday and find out who did it, and let them know that they successfully wasted a massive amount of time. As I pulled out onto the road, I felt a small sense of satisfaction that whatever was set up past Leanne's was all for nothing. No one at the office knew where the card came from, or so they claimed, and the phone number was beyond them as well. I had a strong hunch that someone was lying and they knew exactly what was going on, but I let it pass. I tried the number a few times afterward, but it had been disconnected. No one brought it up again, and by the time Thursday rolled around, it was out of my head for the most part. It's funny how we can do that have a strange experience with no answer given, then compartmentalize it with a shrug and keep living life. I put the card in the glove box, and by the next month it had been filed away into the oh well, guess I'll never know section of my brain. Until the following Friday. I was leaving the office for the day a little early, since I managed to put together a presentation on an upcoming small business acquisition before lunch, and was doing busy work to fill the time after lunch. I did the usual round of have a good weekend, see you Monday, and left the building. I got in the car and set my bag in the passenger seat, stopping right before buckling my seatbelt. The card was in the cup holder. I clicked the belt in place and stared at the card for a moment, trying to remember when I had put it there. I picked it up and opened the glove box, to my surprise, there was a card already in there. I took a closer look at the one in my hand. It was slightly yellowed, a tiny bit of the corner dog-eared. The reverse side had the same golden font, but different text. The number was changed, a different area code, 
A new line was added after. Rescheduled. The date and time, I checked my watch. How the hell did they do this again? My car was locked, I was sure. I leaned over and checked the back seat and floorboard. I got out and popped the trunk. Nothing was out of place. I closed and locked everything, taking the card with me back inside the office. Past the empty receptionist's desk, I rounded the corner to the hall and stepped into my office. My mouth was dry as I dialed the number on the card. Again, it went to an answering service. Only this time, I didn't leave a message. I hung up after the beep and stared at the phone. Then it rang. I picked it up before the second. Your call has been received and noted. Go west on Lindholm. Turn right at the fence's end. Turn left at the yellow flag. We start at sundown. Invitation only. No cameras or recording devices. I scrawled the directions on a scrap of paper after the call ended. I could call the police right then and give them everything I had. But what would happen? I tell them someone broke into my car and left an old business card with my name on it. No property damage, nothing is missing. What would they do? Sweep it for prints? I highly doubted they would find anything at all. I could give them directions to the place, but other than telling them I have a bad feeling about it, what could I say? They could send a bored patrol car out. Eventually. All right. I thought. You win. I walked back out to my car. The mysterious orchestrator had my attention, and I was ready to see whatever it was they wanted to show me. Lindholm is one of those wide-mouthed roads that you use to turn around on the highway after you realize you've passed your actual turn. It's flanked on both sides by fields outlined with rusty barbed wire fences, with the occasional grouping of cows in the shade of a large tree in the back line. Only a few yards down stood a sign reading, City Maintenance Ends, which translates to Beware of Potholes. I pulled onto it and started the long drive. Being this far out of town en route to an unknown destination made me nervous. I had a tire iron in the passenger side floorboard, leading up between the seat and console for quick access. I hoped I wouldn't need it. The road went on, narrowing to a single lane at points. A curve and tree line a quarter mile in removed me from sight of the main highway. Another curve brought me to the straight stretch that made up the majority of the ride. A small hill eventually broke the monotony of the landscape and another sign loomed ahead. No outlets. At the end of the road sat a sedan on the other side of an access gate. I rolled up to the gate and a man stepped out of the driver's seat. Someone was setting passenger, but I couldn't make out details other than brown hair. They were leaning forward like they were napping or reading a book. My greeter leaned his chest against the gate, arms folded on the top bar, waiting for me. He had cropped blonde hair, dressed in jeans and a white polo, one foot on a lower rung so I could see his clean sneakers. I parked and left the car running. I glanced down at the tire iron 
before opening the door and stepping out. Hello, I cautiously called over the roof of the car. You lost? he asked. I'm looking for... Actually, I have no idea what it is. I'm supposed to go through here to find it? I suddenly felt ridiculous. Saying it out loud to another person made me realize how crazy I must seem. He looked me over. You might be lost. There's nothing back here but private property, friend. There's plenty of space to turn around and get you back to the highway. He glanced back in the direction I came. Sorry, this sounds strange, but someone gave me a card that had a number on it. I called and they gave directions to here. Show me the card. His tone had shifted from casual to business, although his pose remained the same. I leaned into the car and grabbed the newest card, then walked around to the gate. I handed it to him and he looked at it for a moment before giving it back. Are you carrying any firearms on your person or in your vehicle? No, I replied. Are you in possession of or currently under the influence of any narcotics, controlled substances, hallucinogens, or any other type of drug? No, I replied again. Are you a cop or something? Did I do something wrong? He laughed. Not a cop. No, just doing my job. In the past week, have you had any unexplained loss of time or an irresistible urge to dig? No, I answered. I was starting to feel that the whole thing was a ruse again. Last one, he said. He reached in his back pocket and took out a photograph. Do you recognize anyone in this picture? I studied it for a few seconds. Two women with long floral dresses and sun hats sitting on a porch in wicker chairs. A bearded man in a suit between them, with his hands behind his back. It looked to be decades old. I shook my head. He put it back in his pocket. You're all set then, he said. Keep straight. You know where you're headed. He retrieved a key out of his pocket and removed the lock on the gate. Thanks, I said awkwardly. I walked back and got in my car as he swung the gate open. He waved me through and closed it behind me. His passenger shifted in the seat as I moved, but never looked up. I drove slowly through the short, sparse grass, staying parallel with the tree line to my left. The sun was getting low, threatening to dip below the horizon at any moment. I drove a little faster. I was now more curious than anxious. Soon I saw the yellow flag planted in the ground. The tree line was thicker, various weeds and plants obscuring the view beyond. I slowed for the turn which was a narrow gap in the line. I carefully drove over large roots from the surrounding trees and crept up the slight hill. On the top it plateaued, and I was surprised for a moment at the sight. Several other vehicles, maybe a dozen or more, were parked haphazardly around a large rectangular tent. A small group of people were chatting by a truck and they turned in my direction as I crested the hill. Just behind the tent, I could see a large truck in the front end of an enclosed trailer. I parked farther away from the other vehicles and sat there. I was intrigued, but something about the tent made me uneasy. 
I got out and made my way over to the entrance. I stepped inside and let my eyes adjust to the dim light. Rows of folding lawn chairs had been set up, the majority of them already taken by people talking excitedly to each other. Some were dressed in business clothes, some in shorts, a seemingly random collection of a crowd all gathered for a purpose unknown to me. At the opposite end, about ten yards away, was a podium, a plastic folding table behind it, and a closed tent flap behind both. I took a seat in the back and waited. It wasn't long before people started filling in the empty seats. A woman with a large handbag sat next to me, eyes forward. Conversations dipped to hushed, excited tones. I glanced behind me at the exit. The sky was dark now. The tall man undid the straps holding the flap open and let it unfurl, falling closed. The crowd went silent. I turned around to see an older woman entering from the other side and watched her take her place behind the podium. She was wearing a slim black dress and had her peppered hair pulled into a tight ponytail. Two men entered behind her carrying a large trunk. They set it next to the table and opened the lid. I leaned forward automatically and noticed a few others did as well. Good evening, the woman said. Her voice was authoritarian, like a strict schoolteacher. We will now start the proceedings. One of the men took an object out of the box and placed it on the table. It was a golden wristwatch. The woman looked around the room. If it speaks to you, make your bid. A man in front raised his hand. Fifteen thousand, he said. She nodded. Another hand rose. Twenty thousand, came a quiet voice. She nodded again and looked back to the man. Twenty-five thousand. They went back and forth, slow and deliberate each time. As the number rose, a murmur rippled over the crowd. Finally, a crescendo was reached as a man curtly announced, Sixty-five thousand. There was no rebuttal. Sold for 65000 she said. Please follow my associate. One of the men picked up the watch and walked out. The man in front made his way around the table and followed through the exit. The auctioneer waited until the man returned and took his seat. He looked exhausted and moved sluggish, like he had somehow been awake for days in the time it took him to pay. He was wearing the watch. On to the next item, she stated. An assistant reached into the box and set a globe on the table. Someone raised their hand and called out, Eight thousand. The bidding began again. The winner, with twenty-seven thousand, followed the assistant outside, and once again we waited to continue until they came back in. She looked pale, beads of sweat on her forehead and cheeks. This continued for a few more items. An ashtray, a stack of magazines, a tea kettle, all of which the woman gave no description for, and all of which went for outrageous prices. Each time the price went higher, a large portion of the crowd grew visibly excited. I couldn't understand why people were throwing money around like that. 
and leaned over to the woman next to me. Where did these things come from? I asked. Why are people bidding so high? I'm new here. She gestured toward the auctioneer. She's the only one who knows where these things come from and why people want them so badly. Who is she? I asked. Don't know, she answered simply. This might be... Were you invited by a business card? We all were. And before you ask, I don't know how they do that either. I don't have the kind of money they're throwing around, I said. I looked at the man wearing sweatpants in front of me. Is everyone here that wealthy? This isn't about money, she said. Currency, but not money. And from the looks of you, you have plenty. The tea kettle winner was making his way back to his seat. It had been the highest so far, at 197500 He moved slowly, panting and sweating like he had just finished running a marathon outside. A few others were glancing nervously around the room. I gathered that this was their first time, too. Currency, but not money. Have you bought anything? I asked. She removed a strip of leather from her handbag, showing it briefly before tucking it away. How much was it, if you don't mind my asking? 120000 she replied calmly. $120,000 for a piece of leather? Why? Her face grew stern, and I was afraid I'd crossed a line. Sorry, I began, but she raised a hand to silence me. It's something you don't understand until it happens to you. For some, it's power. For some, it's peace. For others, it's enlightenment. There are a number of things a person will pay a heavy price for. She looked down at her purse, and her expression softened. The bidding is in hours. She faced the podium. I sat back and stared ahead. I became aware of how warm it was getting inside the tent, and shifted in my seat. More items were placed on the table, and more people were taken outside. It was well into the night when the auctioneer made the announcement for the final item. The trunk lid was closed and hauled away, presumably empty of contents. At her words, all attention was focused on her. My heart beat audibly, if only to myself, as I watched one of her men walk in carrying an ornate silver box. He placed it carefully on the table. I strained to get a better look. He slowly raised the lid and withdrew a vial, raising it for the room to see was filled halfway with what looked like black ink. I felt fully drawn to it. A subdued panic, as if it contained some vital part of me, and others would be able to take it away. The woman next to me gave a knowing look, pity and understanding, the kind you give to someone who just received terrible news. There will be no bidding for this item, the auctioneer told the room. If it speaks to you, please stand. I was on my feet before I could think. Two other people stood with me. They had a look of desperation on their face, 
and I'm sure mine was the same. I needed the contents of that vial. I didn't know how, but I knew that if I got it, I would be content forever. It would complete me in a way I never thought possible. I could see why those people would pay with their lives. After no one else stood, she asked us to form a line in front of the table. I walked up and took my place at the middle and faced the crowd. They were watching in awe and terror. The woman took the vial and walked to the man at my right. She pressed a lever on the top, which opened it ever so slightly. He leaned his head back and she tilted it over his face, letting a drop fall in his eye. He shuddered and blinked. She stepped toward me, and I followed suit. The vial raised over me and the liquid undulated as she tipped it. It hit my right eye, and I reflexively blinked. It was cold. I felt it envelop my eye as I lowered my head. She had already stepped to the woman at my left. The crowd was still. I felt the cold creep to the back of my socket and felt it sink deeper. I tasted metal. Suddenly the man next to me retched and fell to his knees. He hunched over, holding his head, and vomited. In the viscous puddle before him were slender tendrils of muted iridescence, writhing and stretching. I struggled to stay on my feet, swaying back and forth. The woman next to me made a noise that was close to speech before a hollow crack sounded. She collapsed on the floor, a ragged wheeze the last sound she would make. I stumbled backward and braced myself against the table. The cold was spreading through my body. My fingers grew numb. The man on the floor was scooping up handfuls off the ground and shoveling it into his mouth. My vision faded and I thought I had lost consciousness until I heard the auctioneer give orders to dispose of the woman and take the man outside to be dealt with. An ember of warmth started in my chest. Slowly it expanded outward. A pleasant, wonderful sensation. I took a deep breath. The air tasted different. Sweeter. My vision returned. The crowd had backed away from where we were, most likely to avoid whatever they thought might happen next, and were packed together, quietly chittering as they stared at me. The woman on the ground was gone. The man was being dragged out by the back of his shirt, the skin on his face dripping away, fervently whispering, No, 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 no. I looked at the auctioneer. She was smiling at me. I returned it. Everything felt extraordinary. It is decided. The essence has laid claim. Some people in the crowd nodded, others still frightened or confused. She placed a soft hand on my shoulder. A glorious, soothing presence blanketed me under her touch. What now? I asked. She leaned in close. Metamorphosis. Then, ascension.